The message today is entitled, The Process of Salvation. The Process of Salvation. Almighty God, Lord Jesus, it's your intention to bring us fully into yourself and to bring forth a completed work of glorious harmony with you and salvation, restoration and healing. Lord, it's your desire that day by day we experience that completeness that you've spoken of in the book of Hebrews. Lord, I pray today that you will give us the courage to engage with you in this process of being washed, crucified, cleansed, resurrected. I pray in your holy name. Amen. I'd like to be clear with you today about the process that we're involved in at the National Prayer Chapel. First, the National Prayer Chapel is not a place that you drop by and visit. All visitors are welcome. But our hope is that the visitor will not remain a visitor, but will get hooked in the process and will decide to begin to give themselves wholly and completely to the Holy Spirit to accomplish a work of healing and life-giving power so that as you live day by day in the world, you represent Jesus. That's not an easy process. It's not a matter of information. There is information, but it's not primarily about information. It's about a decision you make in your heart that you are going to submit to Jesus Christ and you are going to resist the devil with every ounce of your energy. You're going to turn from darkness to light. You're going to turn from the devil to Jesus. Now we don't arrive quickly at that decision because it's a very costly decision. The devil is a bad enemy to have. He comes at you with everything he has and he says, I'm sorry, you belong to me and you are not going to serve Jesus Christ. But Jesus is a wonderful friend to have because he says, devil, get out of his face. I'm setting that person free and I'm releasing them from the bondage you've held them in. But it's not an easy release. It's not a quick release. So a man comes to the prayer chapel, literally you are coming to a boot camp. And if you've missed that, you don't know what the gospel's about. The National Prayer Chapel is the National Prayer Chapel Boot Camp. Now why do I describe it that way? Because as soon as the power of God begins to move in your life, he moves you to the desert. When Jesus was baptized, where was he sent? The desert. 
When Moses brought the children of Israel out of Egypt, they could have walked into the promised land at a slow pace in three days. Forty years later, they're dying in that desert. Why? Because they refused to submit to the will of God. They would not believe him. They would not trust him. Now, please, what is the work of God? To believe in Jesus Christ. That's the work of God. It's not to perform all these deeds. It's not to observe all these laws. It is simply to believe that Jesus is the Christ and that the devil is not. Because the devil has always come to us as an angel of light. And he said, look, if you'll just do these things, you'll be happy. If you can just acquire that new car, if you can get that new man, if you can have that new relationship with that woman, you're going to be happy. No, you're not. Happiness does not come by acquiring people or stuff. Happiness comes by believing in Jesus Christ. And the painful boot camp process that we're all engaged in is dying to ourselves and living in Jesus. It's that dying out of the deepest part of our heart that is still wired in, hardwired in to demonic powers, to selfishness, to accusations, to bitterness, Hardwired in to lust, hardwired in to, I'll have it my way, thank you very much. You know, because I'm single, I often end up at the silver diner. Or I often end up at Panera's. And by the way, one of you gave me the most magnificent. Father's Day gift. There were a number of you who gave me wonderful Father's Day gifts, and I haven't thanked you publicly for that. Many of you call me dad, and then Father's Day comes and you don't acknowledge Father's Day, but some of you do, and I thank you. I'm a cheap dad for some of you. Uh, but somebody actually gave me a Panera's card with $100 on it. And I've been going to Panera's more now. And the little gal today, she took my card and she ran it and the surprise look on her face came and she said, you still have $70 on your card. Well, a meal for me there is $6.50. That lasts a while. And I thank you for those wonderful Father's Day gifts. But what I want you to hear is that somehow in this boot camp of the National Prayer Chapel, we begin to understand that it's not about us. And my sister was exactly right today. It's not about you and me, it's about Jesus. The whole deal's about Jesus. And the painful part of this journey 
is learning that it's not about me, it's about Jesus. So how does the Lord accomplish this? Well, very simply, he does it by bringing us to the cross to be crucified. He brings us to life experiences where we have to lay down our desires and our wants and our self and accept what Jesus wants to give to us. I can say, what is the work of God to believe in Jesus? Well, what does to believe in Jesus mean? It means to lay my life down for him and say, okay, it's your way, not my way. And many people have come to the prayer chapel and have left the prayer chapel because they finally reached that, that place where they said, okay, I can go this far, but I can't go that far. So I'm out of here. How far will you go with Jesus? How far are you willing to go today with Jesus Christ? Have you reached yet that point where you've said, look, I can't go that far. I have to retain for myself this small area of life. This belongs to me. Don't touch it, Jesus. Well, you know that's exactly what he's going after next. Because Jesus will not allow us to hold any part of our heart or our life separate from him. He has brought me over and over and over to one simple issue. Will I trust him for finances? Now, come on, let's be real honest. In some ways, everything starts and ends with money. Okay? You can last about three weeks before you begin to lose your strength if you don't eat. And giant grocery store only takes money. And I don't have a garden I can go pick my, my food from. I have to go to Giant or Wegmans or another grocery store, and that takes money. So my very life is dependent on having money. And for some strange reason, my landlord thinks I should send him a check every month. And my electric company thinks every month I should send them a check. Well, why don't they send me a check every month? No, I'm the one getting their electricity. So money becomes huge in our lives, in our thoughts. And Jesus' question to me is, Are you going to go to Caesar for your money? Are you going to go to your boss for your money? Are you going to go to your job for your money? 
or are you going to come to me for your money? Now, I'll be honest with you, he began to strip out everything that I had ever earned and bought on my own. Everything I had worked for, he stripped it out of my life. Cars, houses, retirement. He began to take everything from Now, he won't take everything from you, I hope. It's a very painful process to lose everything. Some of you don't have to learn the lesson the way I did. Some of you may be much more reasonable with God. But he took me all the way to the end and continues to take me all the way to the end to say, will you trust me? Or may I put it another way? Will you believe Jesus is Lord? Or are you going to be your own Lord and you'll do a sentimental church deal on the side? God's going to only put up with that so long. And then he's going to say, no, no, let's go deeper into the desert. Will you trust me for your job? Will you trust me for your business? Is it your job or is it Jesus' job? Is it your business or is it Jesus' business? And part of the process of salvation in the boot camp of the prayer chapel is every person having to come to a place where they finally say, I will trust you, Jesus, for my relationships, for my money, for my children, for my health. I will trust you, Jesus. You are first. All that I have belongs to you. My life belongs to you. My time belongs to you. Now order my steps according to your wisdom and your will. Now, you're not going to come to that decision quickly or cheaply. Most of us die out like stuck pigs. Most of us don't find it easy to die out. I talked to some young people who are still living with mom and dad. They're terrified of leaving the security of mom and dad's. Can they survive if they leave? And what happens if there's a crisis and they can't trust mom and dad to fill the gap? And so America is filled with 30-year-olds living with mom and daddy. Why? Because they never let Jesus take the place of mom and dad. Now, some of you left your mom and dad and you just made your boss your dad. You made your job your dad. You just switched allegiance. And now your sustenance is the world. And your entertainment is your iPhone or your Android. Did I leave somebody out? What I'm trying to say to you today is that if you don't understand what I'm saying, 
you're going to be lost at the prayer chapel. It's the intention of God to convict your heart, to take you into the desert where he will seduce you with his love and his mercy and his kindness so that you become utterly dependent upon him. And after you are utterly dependent upon him, he will then begin to order your steps toward the calling he has for your life. And it may have nothing to do with what you're currently doing. I said to Joshua earlier when we were setting up, I asked him the question, how do you endure? Well, there's only one way to endure. Do you know what it is? To endure. That's the only way to endure, is to endure. Where does the strength come from to endure? From the joy that comes into your life from Jesus because of the pain and suffering you're going through because you know it's temporary and you know you are on the way and you know Jesus has plans for you and you trust him with those plans. Our dear sister, Kedra, she used to come bouncing into church every Sunday full of this energy and life and she'd say, Pastor, when is God going to give me a husband? And I'd say, are you sure you want a husband? Oh, yes, I want a husband. <laughs> and she said, and by the way, I want more kids. <laughs> are you sure, Kedra? <laughs> yes, I want more kids. God said, okay. And I remember the day Patrick came forward for prayer. I think it was David and myself, may have been somebody else also, praying for Patrick. And God sovereignly came into his heart and said, stop disagreeing with Kedra. Go love her and marry her. And he looked at me, he said, something just happened. I don't know what happened. I love Kedra. <laughs> and shortly there was a wedding. And then the twins showed up. And Kedra had all that she asked of God. She didn't know that her requests of God were going to take her into the deepest desert. She could not even begin to imagine that desert. And so she comes to church now, beat up, weeping, saying, why did I ask for a man? Why did I ask for a child? Because God is working a miracle of joy in Master's heart and life. And then because that wasn't enough, and Kedra, there was more refining that was necessary and the pressure had to be increased to get the diamond he wanted in her life. He sent Mama. And Mama, you're a diamond. 
And I can tell you the day is going to come when Kedra is going to minister in song and in word with power and authority. And she's going to do that out of the desert. Amen. Now, this wasn't the sermon. This was just a brief introduction to what I need to say to you today. Let me read it. We're going back to the book of Kings. Second Kings, the fourth chapter. Remember, Elisha, a symbol of the New Testament church. A symbol or a type of Jesus. Verse 38, Elisha returned to Gilgal, and there was a famine in that region. And while the company of the prophets was meeting with him, they're having church. They're worshiping God. He said to his servant, put on the large pot and cook some stew for these men. In other words, we're going to have lunch together. So start the stew. Now there was a famine in the land, so there wasn't a lot to put in the stew. One of them went out in the fields to gather herbs and found a wild vine. And he gathered some of its gourds and filled the fold of his cloak. And when he returned, he cut them up into the pot of stew, though no one knew what they were. And the stew was poured out for the men, but as they began to eat it, they cried out, Oh, man of God, there's death in the pot. And they could not eat it. And I stopped. And I said, Lord God, what's that mean? It means that a part of what happens in the church is that people come into the fellowship of Christ bringing poison into the body. And I had to begin to search my heart and say, Lord, what poison do I bring into the body of Christ? And may I be clear, there's not one of us here who has not brought poison into the body of Christ. And what is the poison that we bring? It is first and foremost the poison of unbelief in Jesus. It is a lack of trust in the work of Christ on the cross. It's our own self-works, it's our own self-will that we bring into the body of Christ. It's poison to the body. That which strengthens the body is the testimony of victory, the testimony of complete healing in Christ Jesus. What, what strengthens the body is when we come and we confess our poison and repent of it and turn aside from it. You'll recognize the poison when I say what happens when 
when we open it for members of the congregation to come and bring a testimony of life and you sit on your chairs like bumps on a log with a down look on your face like you've been sucking on a sour lemon and it's obvious you need a Holy Spirit facelift and you're into yourself and you're not going to share anything and you're don't push me preacher it's because you have the poison of the viper in your soul and you haven't been released yet from thinking about yourself and focusing on Jesus there's still issues in your heart I don't condemn anyone for being like that how many times I've been like that how many times I've come into the body of Christ frozen out of fear out of unbelief out of disappointment out of having expectations not met judgments against others we come in and we're so filled with the world and the wickedness of the world and the cares of the world and the and the struggle to survive that all we can do is sit there and hope that somebody will speak something kind to us that will cause us to be encouraged and smile we brought poison into the household of God all of us do it There's only one answer for that poison. You notice they did not throw the stew out. When you bring poison into the household of God, you're not condemned or thrown out. Notice what he did. This is so interesting. Elisha said, get some flour. He put it into the pot and said, okay, serve it to the people to eat. And there was nothing harmful in the pot. So the answer of this type of Christ was to bring flour or bread. To bring Jesus. The answer to the poison of our souls is the work Jesus did on the cross. That's what changes the heart. Now, if you're at all like I am, I'm my best critic. I'm quick to say, you're dumb, you're slow of speech, you can't do the work of God, you should just quit. I've walked out of this place many times and said, Lord, if you don't send me back, I'm not going to go back and preach again. I can't preach. I couldn't preach my way out of a wet paper bag. I'm done. And all he'll say is, stop feeling sorry for yourself get some bread get some bread take a bite of Jesus 
The flower comes and turns the poison of our hearts into something that is edible and good. But now look at the next part. A man came from, from Baal, bringing the man of God 20 loaves of barley bread, baked from the first ripe grain along with some heads of new grain. Give it to the people to eat, Elisha said. How can I set before a hundred men? Only 20 loaves, his servant said. But Elisha said, give it to the people to eat, for this is what the Lord says. They will eat and have some left over. Then he set it before them and they ate and had some left over, according to the word of the Lord. You cannot eat all of the Jesus that's present right now in this house. There is enough for each of us to have our fill. The only question is, are you tired of the poison of your heart? And are you willing to give it up? Are you willing to let go of your unbelief and your bitterness of heart? And are you willing to simply feast on Jesus? Now these two stories just blend right in to the book of John. Let me read this for you. John, the sixth chapter, verse 29. Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. Verse 35. Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you've seen me and still you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all that he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. Did you know there is no question you will be raised up at the last day? And if you have feasted on Jesus, you will be raised up to life eternal. This is the boot camp. Will you surrender your life in the midst of the desert so that you don't die in the desert? Believe me, we have all thought we would die in the desert. I can't tell you how many times I've said to the Lord, Lord, I am at the end. I've had it. I can't go any further. This is it. There's no money for radio. I'm done. I can't go back. It's over. Shall I call and cancel the contract for next month? 
Now, usually this exchange with God takes place after 10 o'clock at night. And Jan used to always say something very wise to me. Don't ever make a decision after 10 o'clock at night. Just go to bed. That's wise counsel. Just go to bed. When you're at the end, go to bed. Get up the next morning and get in the prayer closet, maybe 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. And stay there until the fear has been driven from your heart by feasting on Jesus. He is the bread of life. Verse 63. The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I've spoken to you are spirit and they are life. A key part of this boot camp is making the transition from always looking at what the physical world looks like to having eyes in the spirit to see what God is doing with me in the trials I'm suffering. And a moment ago, I spoke about how do you endure? You endure by enduring. And you endure by the joy that begins to flood into your heart from Jesus as you feast on him. And when you're full of Jesus, you can endure anything for the joy that's set before you. Now, if you go to Hebrews, Chapter 9, verse 11. When Christ came as high priest of the good things that are already here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not man-made, that is to say, a part of this creation. He did not enter by means of blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once and for all by his own blood, having obtained eternal redemption. This is what Jesus has done for us. He has obtained eternal redemption. Now you're going to have to get real honest with yourself and with Jesus about the poison that you bring into the body. You're going to have to decide if this boot camp if you're going to pay the price and go all the way through to victory in Jesus. Some of you already have, and I praise God for that. And you're already settled. You may still be in the desert, but emotionally you're not in the desert anymore. You've been set free. I'm still in the midst of the desert. I'm enduring but with joy because of what Jesus has done for me and for the promise of what he's going to bring about in these last days in revival in America. These are the darkest days I've ever seen in America. And I want to say to you clearly, it is not just happening by happenstance. It is a clearly designed program to bring about 
the militarization of all the police in this nation and to bring about a one world government organization. It is being paid for by business people like Soros. They have done this same program in many other nations. America has run this program in other nations and now they are doing it in our nation, in America. And unless the gospel of Jesus Christ has explosive power, we will end up in a militarized, one world government organization that will bring forth the mark of the beast. If ever there was a time to pray, now is that time. And to not be caught up in any of the bitterness and anger toward the police or toward anybody else, but to focus our attention on the cross of Jesus and recognize that we are here but temporarily. And that we have a great work of proclamation of love and the gospel to go out to this nation. Our prayers must be for our brothers and sisters that revival would burst forth in America. It's our only hope. My hope is not in Donald Trump or in Hillary Clinton. To me, they are both scoundrels. My hope is in King Jesus. My hope is in what he's doing in our hearts in this little place to bring forth revival in America. He's done it before. He can do it again. But we need to pass the final exam in the boot camp and have the Holy Spirit poured out in power among us. We need to stop living as though every day everything is going to continue and we're going to have our wonderful American life. That has been utterly destroyed and taken down. We now must move into the victory of Jesus' shed blood and the love he has for us and endure the trials and learn the lessons that we can be used by him to bring salvation to our families and to others around us. So give up all petty grievances between yourself and anybody else. Forgive them, love them, pray for them. Don't be caught with an accusation on your lips. He will save us completely. Almighty God, I pray that you will help with your Holy Spirit to give us eyes that can see what you're doing in our personal lives.
and that we would come of one accord into the prayer chapel to worship you, to have the poison removed from our hearts by the bread of life, to be made new in the likeness of you, Lord Jesus, that you would dwell richly in us. I pray in your holy name, and I give you thanks and honor and praise. Amen.